Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Um, first off, I want to just honor pastor and pastor's wife, father and mother for uh, allowing me to speak today and trusting me and uh, I guess just believing in me Um, and also my wife who is dealing with our children right now, our child right now uh, because she's always leading me in like the the right way I need to go and she's always correcting me and uh, not not, uh, in a bad way, (laughs) correcting me in a good way. So I just want to uh, start this start this lesson with uh, with some prayer. So if we could all join me in prayer tonight. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would bless this service today, Lord. God, I pray that you would lead us in the right direction. God, lead us where we're supposed to go today, Lord. Thank you for this day, God. Thank you for waking us up, Lord. Thank you for giving us breath in our lungs and for giving us the ability to worship you today, God. Lord, I pray that you would touch me as I deliver this message, God, I pray that you would cover me today, God, I pray that you would give me strength as I give, uh, deliver your word, Lord, God, let it be only from you, God, let it bring glory to you and not to me, God, I pray that you would bless this service today, and God, I pray that you would be with us, Jesus, let each and every visitor that's here today, God, be blessed, Lord, and God, I pray that you would lead us today into your spirit, God, thank you, Jesus, praise your name, Lord. So, uh, this past week, uh, I mean, it's it's been a rough week for a lot of us, I know, uh, with Sister Imogene passing, and um, it's it's spe- especially tough this week. But uh, this past week has made me become a little bit more introspective about where my focus lies. And where does my church and our collective mission stand on my priority list currently? And here's a hint, it's not as as high as it should have been. So why isn't my church as much of a priority in my life right now? Is it kids? Is it entertainment? Social media? Is it days I'm looking forward to, events I'm looking forward to? And the answer to that is a lack of discipline and distractions. The world has a lot to offer us, but all of it is just a vapor compared to the ocean of God's glory. So I want to tell you a little story about a a man. Uh, Back in the year 1939, a young man enrolled to the University of UCLA, where he became a four-sport athlete, including football, basketball, track and field. Maybe you can consider it five. I don't know if track and field is two separate things. <laughs> and also baseball. After setting his focus on football, he decided to leave the university just before graduating to pursue a career in semi-pro football. His career as an athlete would 
have to be put on hold, though, as he was drafted into the U.S. Army after a few seasons of playing football. Fighting through adversity and discrimination, the man was discharged in 1944, and in 1945, he took on a new challenge when he signed with the Kansas City Monarchs, a baseball team. His speed and his skill with a bat eventually caught the attention of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and by 1947, the young man had signed a deal to be the first African-American to play in the MLB. And this man, of course, was Jackie Robinson. In a time of unfathomable segregation and discrimination, being the first to take, take on such a task would be a heavy burden placed on anybody's shoulders. But Jackie was the perfect person to take on that role. Jackie received a lot of hate during his time playing baseball. He was cursed at, spit on, was hit by baseballs while he was batting. But uh, Jackie kept a level head the, the entire time, and he did not give it back. He showed the world that anger and hatred was not the answer, and instead let his skill do the talking for him. In 1947, Jackie led the Dodgers to the World Series and received the Rookie of the Year award. In 1949, he won the National League MVP and took the Dodgers to another World Series. And both of those times, they lost to the Yankees. In his time with the Brooklyn Dodgers, he saw six World Series. And in, the, in 1955, after beating the Yankees, finally, he had won one. And finally, in 1962, he became the first African-American to be selected to the MLB Hall of Fame. His determination and his focus to not let the outside voices degrading him get to him and allowed him to step, step up and show what he could do on the baseball field. He let his actions and his character speak for itself. At the end of his career, he was revered and known as one of the best baseball players of all time. People who do not know God are going to say things about the church and God himself. Whether that be out of ignorance or out of malice, um, it's never going to stop. As frustrating, as frustrating as it might be to hear, no amount of scolding or berating will change their hearts. And no good can come from yelling at somebody over Facebook. I know. <laughs> Our mission is not to one-up people, people of the world in a debate on the street. Too often we get on social media and we open a video and see somebody's walking around with a microphone and a camera. And they're looking to to own the other person. Not literally, but figuratively. Um, and they come equipped with stats and statistics and they already know all the information that they're going to debate people about. And then they greet people who have none of those things and make them look stupid. They go up and they say, which one of these guns is an AR-15? And they choose a Nerf gun or something. And people in the comments say, look how stupid, look how dumb. 
those people haven't been around guns before, so how are they going to know, you know? If it looks like a gun, it's a gun. And then we look at the other side. Do you think abortion is bad? Yes. Didn't God kill the first of every Egyptian, uh, firstborn of every Egyptian in Egypt? Yeah, he did. But they were warned beforehand. They could have avoided it. And it doesn't even remotely re- relate to the topic. These are two videos that I saw this week that are <laughs> like playing through my mind. Thinking, I'm thinking, why are these things important to people? Like, obviously, they're important political to- topics at times. But if the whole purpose is to just one-up the other person, then you've defeated the purpose. They're not going to change their mind. They're going to stay in their thinking, and they're going to go about their way, and they're going to have maybe a stronger view of their original opinion. Everyone is just looking for a gotcha moment to make the person on the opposite political aisle look stupid. Is that really what is going to bring our country back together? No. The way you change hearts and minds is not by belittling, but by setting the example and being God to those who do not know him. Letting his light shine through us is the only way we can make a difference. The only way we can make a difference in this world if we are going to see change for the better. And if we are not to lose focus, we cannot lose faith. In Exodus, we learn that the Israelites lost faith almost immediately. And in Exodus 32... Uh, verse, verses 1 through 6. It talks about uh, exactly when the, the Israelites lost faith, which, I mean, happened many, many times. <laughs> no matter how many times God showed them. And Exodus 32, verse 1 says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel. Think about that. These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Something we just made just now, brought us out of Egypt a long time ago. (laughs) I don't know of many statues that have done anything for me. Just stand there. Sometimes they get torn down. Who cares? (laughs) And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast of the Lord, to the Lord. Not the real Lord, but 
the made-up Lord that they had made. And verse 6 says, And they rose up early on the, mor- on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. After witnessing the Lord's mercy as the angel of death passed over all their houses that were obedient to God. After witnessing the Red Sea being parted so that they could get away safely from the Egyptians, they still lost their faith and turned to something that could not do nothing for them. They did not have faith in their shepherd. Moses was the mouthpiece of God who relayed instructions to the people of Israel. If they did not trust Moses, they did not trust God. We have to understand that God has given us someone to guide us. And that is our pastor and pastor's wife. If we do not trust that his leadership is from the communion with God, then we do not trust the plan of God. I've seen many people in my lifetime from all over the state, all over the country, Uh, that have had an idea in their head of what God is calling them to be and they take it to their pastor and their pastor prays about it and sits on it and uh, takes it to God and the pastor tells them something that they don't want to hear. And that, that could be just not yet, this is not your time. Or it could be uh what you think you're being called to is not actually what you're being called to. And many, many times when that happens and the person does not heed the pastor's word, they end up leaving the church or they go through with their idea and end up going through a lot of hardships. It happens all the time, every single day. And it seems like it's more and more of, of as of late. Our pastor is an interceder for our souls. We cannot accept correction in our lives. Our relationship with God is going to dwindle and diminish. When God told Moses to go down from the mountain in Exodus 20, or chapter 32, verse 7 and 8, because the Israelites had corrupted themselves, Moses began to intercede on their behalf. And I'm going to go ahead and just read those scriptures. And in in chapter 32, verse 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, "Go, Go get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed unto it, thereunto. And said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And then in Exodus chapter 32, verses 9 through 10, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen these people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. How would you like to be known as stiff-necked? I am every morning whenever Korah is sleeping perpendicular to us instead of parallel. 
Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. In verse 10, it says, Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them. It's pretty intense. And that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Basically wanting to restart. Tired of the, the uh, blasphemy, tired of the... Uh, going about their own way, even though God has shown them time and time again that he is for them. And in verse 11 and 12, it says, And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against, my, against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say for mis mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. That's pretty hard, hardcore, <laughs> to go to God yourself and say, uh, repent, God, <laughs> you're telling God to repent himself. I couldn't do it. I'd be too afraid. I'd get smite, smited down, smote. <laughs> and in verse 14, it says, And the Lord repented of, this, of the evil which he, had, he thought to do unto his people. Our pastor and pastor's wife do not wish for our life to suffer. Why would we, uh, why would we not trust the, the word of somebody who intercedes to God on our behalf? problem that keeps us from taking correction is pride. Not only should we depend on pastor and our pastor's wife for correction, but also from our church family. We are a family in Christ. If I begin to slip up or somebody notices that something I am doing may lead to my destruction, I'm going to depend on my church family, my pastor and pastor's wife to Call me out on what I'm doing. Because you're all my family. And I know that you also want the best for me. It's also important to take that correction to God personally. If the way we are living may lead us away from God and we need confirmation on it, the best thing to do is to go to God directly and then your pastor and pastor's wife as well. When it comes to your soul, we can never be too sure. Even taking, taking correction from our church family, taking it to God, taking it to our pastor and pastor's wife is not going to uh, hinder our walk with God. Only it may actually just strengthen it. If we take a look back into Genesis, yes, for... The third Sunday in a row, <laughs> we are bringing it back to Genesis without Brother Ron. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it's a familiar story. I'm sure all of us know about Adam and Eve. In chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest there, thereof, thou shalt surely die. God gave Adam and Eve a command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which Adam then conveyed to Eve. And as we find out in chapter 3, when Eve is being tempted by the serpent, that Adam had told them not to eat of it or even touch it, for they will surely die. Now, Adam could have just told her not to eat it, but maybe he had already felt that temptation in his life towards the tree, towards the fruit of the tree. And um, and maybe even matter of, maybe even said matter of fact we're not even going to look at it right now or ever because we don't want to be tempted at all. Now the Bible doesn't really say how long Adam and Eve were in the garden, but this is how I imagine the time leading up to them giving their temp- uh, giving into temptation went. This is just my interpretation. This is not. Uh, what the Bible tells us about. Um, So, Adam tells Eve, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or we will die for real. Don't even, don't touch it. Don't touch it, and you know what? Don't even look at it. Because if we do that, our lives will be perfect. And years go by, every now and then they walk past the tree, but they avert their eyes to avoid any kind of temptation. Some more years go by, and yeah, they've had all the fruit in the, in the garden. It's all good, but it's getting a little old. Had it before. It's starting to all look the same. And eventually they think, you know what? I don't even know what it looks like. If God didn't want us to eat it, then it probably doesn't even taste good, or, or even look good for that matter. What could a fruit with such dire consequences of eating even look like? They take a peek at the fruit of the tree. Wow, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. Maybe all the fruits around them were green and yellow and shades of brown, but this one, this one is bright red. It may look enticing, but I don't want to cause our lives to be in danger. I'm going to go back to ignoring it. But that image of that perfect fruit, because it's perfect because God made it, that image of that perfect fruit is just rattling around in their brain, and they keep thinking on it and keep thinking on it. And they begin to glance back every now and then. Sooner or later, they begin to get more com- more comfortable around the tree, little by little. The closer they get to the tree, they begin to smell the fruit. They have had the- they've had fruit before, but this one is different. Their curiosity gets the better of them, and they just go to check it out. What's the harm of get of getting familiar with the fruit? So, I don't know. Maybe if it falls on the ground and I stumble upon it, and I don't know what it looks like. I don't want to eat it accidentally and die. As they get comfortable being around the tree, they notice a serpent has made its home in the tree and find out that it's this serpent, unlike the others, can speak. 
the serpent then entices them. How will you even know? How will you even know that you will die once you eat this fruit? You won't die if you take a bite. Trust me. Take one small bite, no one will even notice. The urge to try something scary and out of their comfort zone gets the better of her. And Eve closes her eyes, she takes a bite. Nothing happens. I'm not dead. I'm alive. Did God, did God lie to me? Did Adam lie to me? Nothing happens. And so she takes, she takes the fruit to Adam to show him that nothing happened to her. She's still alive. She's still living. Which then piques Adam's interest. Maybe eating the fruit isn't actually as bad as we thought. We all know the consequences of them giving into their temptation, what they're t- giving them, what them giving into their temptations were, because we're living in it. We're living in the consequences. All it takes is a few times of questioning God's word to lead us astray. As we begin, begin to push those boundaries we have set for ourselves, we think, "Well, that wasn't too bad. Maybe I can push it a little bit more." We have standards for a reason. We don't go to places, certain places for a reason. We don't watch or listen to certain things for a reason. A certain movie might not be inherently bad, but it may have some things in it that will make our temptation sound stronger than the voice of God. Walking into a bar not, might not be a sin, but getting comfortable in that environment might lead us to push your boundaries. Each time you walk, walk in there, you begin to be tempted more and more each time. Our faith starts from the top and works, it, works its way down. Faith that God has our best intentions in mind and his timing is better than ours. Faith that our pastor and shepherd is not leading us astray, but keeping us from evil with his corrections. Faith in our church family that they also want what's best for us and can speak into our lives when we slip up. Focus on unity. Focus on what is most important. We cannot be unified if we can't trust our brother and sisters in Christ. We cannot be unified if we cannot lay down our pride and realize that our pastor only wants what God wants for each and every one of us. The light that shines in us when we are in the grocery store greatly diminishes when we are disjointed from our church body. How are we How are we going to reach the world when we look and act just like the world? What is the difference between you and your neighbor that doesn't have salvation? When we keep to ourselves, when we have permanent a permanent frown on our face, when we are slow to forgive and quick to anger, and this is God talking to me. So <laughs> he's, he's, every time he gives me a message, he's always reminding me of my downfalls, trying to correct them. What is the difference between, oh, I already read this, sorry. Our, our light shines to this world when we lead by example. How are we going to meet the needs of the world? We are yelling at people on Facebook. People have some very unintelligent opinions on Facebook. And that's why I had to delete it. Because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. 
I was just getting angry for no reason. Everyone has opinions. It's just going to happen. We have to get to the core of the issue. And that is not being able to take correction. God is wanting to take us to a deeper level and grow our church. But he can't do that if the church is walking on eggshells around each other. Because we think we know more than pastor and our fellow church members. Don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. The devil wants to divide. But don't lose focus. Don't let the things of this world, as enticing as they may be, distract you from who you are called to be and from what you are called to do. As I said earlier, this week has uh, made me more introspective about um, my time, how I'm spending it, uh, my relationships with all of you, and we just don't, we don't know the time or place. We don't know when God is going to take us. We don't know, I mean, uh, I'll just use our, uh, the example of, of what happened this week. I mean, we were dipping strawberries for our fundraiser. Sister Imogene walked into the church. She was smiling. She said hi to everybody, being her normal, cheery self. And... She got her strawberries. Uh, we were talking about her surgery. Um, and then she went home. Perfectly fine. Nothing out of the ordinary. And then she goes to have surgery and something unexpected happens. And we lose her. Each and every one of us are called to be a family. That's why we're here. That's why we're in this church. That's why we're in this church family. We can't shut people out. We can't ignore people anymore. If we want to grow the church, if we want to build the church up, we cannot get distracted. We can't get lose focus of the people around us and the people outside of these walls. When we grow our relationship inside the church, our relationships with everybody outside the church will grow as well. If people come here and they see a disjointed church body, they're not going to want to come back. Because if we can't talk to each other, if we can't live for each other, then what's the point? The, the people of the world, that's what they do. They live for themselves. Not everybody, but, you know, a lot of people in the world right now are focused solely upon themselves, focused solely upon what do I want. So today I charge you just to not lose focus. Don't let this world distract you from who, are you, who you are called to be. Be God to this world. Don't let the world be your God. Can we pray? us, God. I pray that you would lead us each and every day, God, that you would guide our footsteps.